Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Fearless Generations with Terry Sayer and Kelly Fox. Hello and welcome to Fearless Generations, 12 Steps to Freedom. I am Kelly Fox and we are here doing Step 6, Present Moment, and our focus tonight is focus. We're excited to get started, <laughs> so let me bring on my beautiful co-host, Terry Sarah. How are you doing tonight, Terry? I'm doing fine. Waiting for the rain to start and... All of these good things that we're having around here in California. Yes, good things. Don't really like the rain, but it's good for us, so we will appreciate it. <laughs> um, I am super excited to bring on our guest tonight. She coached me several times with all of my kiddos, and... um. I greatly appreciate her. So please, everyone, welcome Elizabeth Stick. Yay! Good evening. <laughs> Thank you guys for having me. I'm so excited. We are so excited to have you. So, Elizabeth, remind the audience, what is it that you get to do and who is it that you get to serve? Ooh, I, I get the best job of all. I support parents in feeling more confident and more clear by giving them the skills that they need to create more harmony at home and more uh, connection in their relationships with their kids. Very, very important job. Very fun job. Um, Yeah, very important job. I think that um, the core of who we are is what we get from our parents or what we don't get from our parents. And um, I think that the relationships we have with our parents are super important. And so if we can have someone to support us in having better relationships with our kids and our kids having better relationships with us, so that is a very important job to have. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, I obviously feel like it's one of the most important jobs to do, which is why I do it. And I've yeah. always, uh, yeah, I've always felt, I mean, it's so much easier to get things right to begin with rather than to go back and to correct things, right? So uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I think of it, and this is perhaps, Maybe I'm not aiming enough, but, like, my goal for parents is to prevent barnacles from sticking to their kids. Mm. (laughs) It's not that we're not going to make mistakes. It's not that we're not going to have rough patches. It's not that um, things aren't going to be messy along the way. But if we come back and are present and listen and talk things through, then the barnacles won't stick. Like stuff will happen, but it won't be stuff that our kids carry into adulthood. Fingers crossed, man. That is 
like the one thing that you like your number one goal as a parent to not mess up your kids. So um, that's definitely a goal of mine, but I'm pretty sure they're going to have to go to therapy. But seriously, I think that all people really need therapy. <laughs> Some people are just better at adding it. <laughs> but um, we're talking tonight about focus. And I know that you have a really great tool that you want to share with us. But first, what does focus mean? And mean to you, what does it mean to you? And how do you support your clients in um, creating that focus, energy, or attention, or wherever you want to go with that? Hmm. Okay, so this is interesting because I had in my mind that we were talking about being present. And, of course, mm-hmm. it's related, right, that one of the ways in which you are present is in bringing your focus to, to your parenting, to your child. And truly, that presence and that focus is one of the biggest gifts that we give our children because a lot of times we're going to do our best parenting when we get out of our child's way. So we stop lecturing, we stop correcting, we even stop teaching. And we just be witness to our child and to the person that they're becoming and to the choices they're making. And it doesn't mean that we're not there if they need us, um, but maybe it means that we are quietly, focusedly present in case they need us, but not jumping in before mm-hmm. them. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 I like that. I, my kids definitely put me in the drive, the, the back seat of their lives. <laughs> they're, they're very uh, determined children to do what it is they want and believe and think what they want. And there's definitely a part of me that loves that about them, but then there's a part of me that that's really annoying. But I do try to, <laughs> um, I do try to encourage them to, you know, live, you know, to be expressive of what it is they believe, and really listen and ask questions as much as I can before they get annoyed with me to know what's going on with them, you know, what they think about this or how they're feeling about that, but that they still know, yeah, you know, what, what the, I don't want to say rules are, but what the, um, and saying it this way is not the way I want to say it either, but the only word I can think of is expected. But that's not the word I want because there are agreements that we've well, made. No. Mm-hmm. Okay, but it, but it's okay for parents to have expectations. And it's great when we work as a family together to work out those expectations and then we come to agreement about what the expectations are. But especially with our little kids, it's super important we have expectations. And I feel like if we're 
if we've done a lot of listening and have been really present, then some of what our expectations are for our older kids is holding a space of possibility and holding a space of um, not a definition of who you need to be, but still some sort of expectation of maybe how you're going to show up in the world. Um, not by the time they're, they're entering young adulthood, because by that time they should really be steering their own ships, being the captain of their own ships. But as we think of, as we think of the uh, caterpillar turning into the butterfly, right? The sort of 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 years when they're in that, in that transformation, they're making that metamorphosis. We can, I think, really hold both spaces, Kelly. So both the space of mm -hmm. being present and focused in the moment, and that really just means a ton of active listening, and also a good dose of faith. And at the same time, we can hold what's possible for them out. And again, I don't mean like, um, oh, you should be a doctor because you're really smart and that's what you should be or because you like biology. I don't mean it in that concrete way. I just mean it in, in broader strokes that, the, that you have value and you, there's a whole world waiting for you mm -hmm. to, to express that in its fullest form. But let's yeah. come back to, to the focus piece and to the, and to the present piece, if we, if we may. Because, you know, active listening is, is sometimes, I think, almost treated in a, it's almost trite, you know, that it's like, oh, active listening. I just want to stop and shed light on it. Because honestly, if you did nothing else as a parent, but listen to your child and thank them for sharing, you would go so far to really, truly honoring the unique human being who they are without getting mm -hmm. into, uh, you know, without, without, without putting your foot in it, without going off on the wrong thing. And I know you've probably had the experience of talking through something out loud and maybe at the beginning of the conversation, you're confused and you're frustrated and you don't know where to turn and you're feeling all the feelings. And by the time you've talked through with somebody, you have a, an aha moment with the clouds clear and the sun shines through. Mm -hmm. And you're like, I know what I should do now. Mm -hmm. And our children have a ton of that wisdom. And so often we just jump in as parents. And we try to fix things, and we try to direct things, and we try to teach them. When actually, they've been busy watching us. They've been absorbing things. They know a ton. And if we just quiet down and leave a ton of space, 
for them to talk things through and to think things through and to sort of radiate our warm approval and faith in their abilities to figure things out. Even little kids come up with surprising wisdom. Oh, yeah, my kids say the craziest thing. Mm-mm. Yeah, that whole out of the mouth of babes thing. Yeah. Terry, where, what are you thinking about right now? Yeah, I'm enjoying the conversation. I think the words that are really sticking with me is uh, faith, uh, values, listening, and being present, and focusing on the relationship, the connection that you have with your with your children or your spouse or your parents or your siblings is that connection that grows from respect. And I think that's a lot of our ability to connect with our kids is that we respect them as human beings with all the same limitations and talents that we have as human beings. They're just in a smaller body and they haven't been here as long as we have. But just like you were Mm -hmm. saying, they have a lot of wisdom. They have innate capacity uh, to learn and to observe. And, you know, just it's been a long time since I had my children in my home. And, I, you know, if I was starting over again, it would be a little bit different. Because uh, I've learned a lot as a as a human being, but um, I think that teaching your children is really important. And I don't think that's easy always easy to do. I think you have to have faith and really be committed to that connection with them. And your intention is to love them unconditionally, and your intention is to create a safe space for them to grow and to become all that they can become and it's often frustrating and challenging and I was a kindergarten teacher for a long time I did a lot better job with my kindergarten students than I did with my own kids I think sometimes you know I would be so tired by the time I get home but yeah I just you know it was if I could have taken that uh, mindset that I have with those children and and been able to to hold it for my own children, I think it, I would have probably had uh, an easier time as a mom. But um, as my children are adults now, I really try to respect them. And sometimes I slip and, you know, start getting into that teaching mode, you know. And But I appreciate the things that I've learned as a fearless living coach about you know, asking my kids and Kelly and I, because we work together so much, um, sometimes I'll forget to ask her, are you venting or do you want me, do you want my advice? You know, so that I can just listen to her without, um, you know, coming up with something to fix the situation or to give her my opinion. And so respecting her desire to just vent and get get her feelings out and get her ideas out and listening to her. And the more I listen and the less I talk, the more effective I am at respecting my children, you know, my adult children. It's easy with my grandkids. I mean, it's great being a grandmother. I do all the right things when I'm with my grandkids. I don't know. And it's like... uh, Right. And it's easy with your grandkids because 
you are not ultimately responsible for them. Right, exactly. I can send them so home. <laughs> there's definitely the challenge of parenting is the challenge of parenting is like, well, I am responsible for them. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if they're if they go out and they do bad things or or they show up in public as complete jerks, you know, who else is gonna is supposed to help them? Um, yeah. Not. Yeah not show up in that in that way and so how we are present for the individual child and honoring the individual child and you know still holding expectations and um civilizing them for lack of a better word um that's the tricky that's where the rub is yeah yeah, I, yeah, I think it's 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 a real slippery slope uh in in knowing you know what to say and how to say it, tone of voice, um being able to keep your your frustrations and expectations for them to act and be a certain way down to just having a set of values and intentions around how you're going to act and how you're going to take up space and that you want the same respect from them, you know, that they'll, that they'll follow, they'll follow suit. If you're kind, then they'll be kind. If you listen, they, then you want them to listen, you know? So that's where I think the intention comes in is that what you model is probably more powerful than any teaching words you can say to kids. It's how you model, how you, how you can, in situations that are challenging can stay calm and yet sometimes you explode and then you go back and you, you know, you, you admit, you know, this is what happened to me. These are the feelings I was having. That reaction wasn't what I wanted to do. I, you know, I think this would have been a better reaction and talk it through with them so that they're, because even if they're kids, they understand that. I mean, they can understand that they see you do that then they're much more likely when they have a meltdown or they just are so frustrated, they, you know, strike out. They also have that model then of how you take a breath, you regroup, and then you talk about it. So it's it's really modeling to our kids the, the way that we intend to act and the way we intend to respect them and honor them as individuals, as human beings, and then wanting that reciprocity and I think we're much more likely to get that reciprocity when we're the model of that rather than you know I used to always hear I don't know if my mother or my grandmother used to say you know um, you know do as I say not as I do (laughs) you know that just doesn't work right (laughs) it doesn't work (laughs) and but you heard I heard that a lot when I was a kid (laughs) no it doesn't work so the opposite that of that is do as I do and then you do what you want your kids to do in terms of, of values and respect and kindness and and uh, forgiveness and and conversation and connection. You know, if you if you do that, they're much more likely to do that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's 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 it, at the end of the day, it's really the only way because if there's the inconsistency, then they're they're not doing it out of anything innately Mm-mm. expansive in their heart, right? And it's it's because they don't want to be punished or, or they're scared of you or 
you've promised them something that may work in the moment, but it, it but it never works in the long run. Yeah, yeah. It's that whole idea yeah. as a teacher, as uh, an educator. You probably went through this conversation as well. Is it nature or is it nurture? You know, are kids born with this? You know, personality and this way of being angry and and. There are probably sometimes because of a neurological issue or whatever that kids do have some of that nature, but I think nurture is what really creates that, you know, that space to be who who you were created to be, you know, and to, to be that human being that feels valued and gives value back to the to the planet, you know. I I just always felt like, Every kid was a good kid if given the opportunity to be in an environment where there was nurturing and love and and support. And when there wasn't that in the in the environment for a child, they they would act out. And you you could just see that they were so hungry for somebody letting them know they had value, and that uh, no matter how they behaved, they were still a person of value. And as you nurture that that um, concept that you have value and you're loved then the behavior changes and I I saw that happen in so many children um you know that I worked with over the years Absolutely. very interesting <laughs> very interesting and complex situation right and being in the present moment is the only way you can you can make those choices as a parent i mean the past is the past and you don't know what's going to happen in the future but in this moment you focus on that reciprocity of trust, that reciprocity of faith and, and nurturing and uh, respect. Indeed. And at our best, at our best, it's so easy to show up that way. And yeah. when we're tired and when we're stressed and when we've got a million right. things going, it's, it's so hard. And, you know, one thing mm-hmm. I do want to say to parents is, It's okay to, you're not going to be able to slow down and really go through the active listening process most of the time. Nine times out of ten, we're in, we're doing logistics, we're, we're, we're running our day, and we don't have the time to, to slow down. Or we can do it for a little bit, but we can't, we can't really get into that kind of zen-like state of just being a sponge, wanting whatever, you know, whatever you have that you want to share, share with me. Mm-hmm. And so I don't want parents to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I don't want them to think, I can't, I can't do that. I can't stop and listen mm-hmm. all the time. So I'm just not going to. I want them to have you know, give themselves grace and to have faith that if they can do it, you know, every nine or tenth time with their children, that that will be such a bomb. And their children will retain that. And mm-hmm. they'll give, you know, it, it's okay that you can't do it in every single moment. And, you know, in my classroom, where, of course, you've got 30 other kids, as long as you have had those other moments of connection, then you can kind of do the shortcut, right? I remember a, 
I remember a seventh grader coming in and, and, you know, I asked him, he came in, he was being loud. And I asked him, you know, you know, could you please sit down? And he's like, F you, Mrs. Stitt. And <laughs> as you said, Terry, like, this is not, you know, he does not want to say that to me. He so does not want to say that to me, right? Like, he's doing the best he can. Yeah, yeah. And because we had had enough touch points before where, you know, I really had been able to sit down, maybe recess, and talk things through, I was able to kind of go and say, I know you're upset, and I wish I had time to listen to you, and right now I have to teach. So, you know, your choices are to sit down and put what's going on with you aside and learn, or um, you can sit outside the classroom. But, you know, I don't have time right now. And if you don't have the relationship, then you can't do the shorthand because the shorthand isn't going to be enough to to say, to, to have a child feel seen and heard and understood. But if you've had all those other touch points, then you can come and you can say, oh, okay, I wish I could talk to you right now, but I can't. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, um, for sure. And then the great thing is, is that when kids have felt heard in the past, just saying that enough, they might not actually need you anymore to do all the listening. They just needed that 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 one moment of you love me anyway. Mhm. Mhm. Even when I have been screaming f you at you, you met me with love, and I'm going to take that into my heart. Mhm. And I'm going to allow that to help soothe me. And you know when we when we can smooth soothe the amygdala, that allows the prefrontal cortex to start bringing in reason and and perspective and other things. I have loved this conversation, ladies, and I wish it could go on longer, but it can't. We are out of time, and I want to give uh, Elizabeth a little bit of time to share with uh, the listeners where they can uh, what's the best way they can get a hold of her and if you have anything coming up Ooh, thank you for asking best way to get a hold of me is probably my website it's just my name elizabethstitt.com that's elizabeth with an S S-T-I-T-T and if you are a middle school parent I would invite you to check out my Parenting Academy for moms of middle school moms and dads, for, for yeah, middle school moms and dads. And it's a community. It lives on Facebook. It is a paid community. Lots of learning opportunities, group coaching opportunities, lots of support. Absolutely. Yes, go check it out. And please, Elizabeth, um, put links to all of that in our Facebook on our Facebook page and in our group. Get fearless at any age with fearless generations, so the listeners can have a quick one-click access to you. I will do that. Awesome. Well, we want to thank you so much for being here, staying up late, and hanging out with us, and sharing all of your goodness. We really appreciate it. 
I appreciate you two and the work that you do so much. And of course, you're such a model being parent and child and being friends and, you know, showing the respect for each other. Uh, it's truly inspiring. I'm sure that parents who are thinking about the relationship that they have maybe with their snarky, snarly, moody little schooler <laughs> right now, teen right now, are going. And I know, I know that, that Terry and Kelly, that you guys didn't have unicorns and rainbows during middle school. And no. the fact that you are here where you are now is so inspiring. It's never too late. Love never it. too late. Yeah. Well, we want to thank you all for being here with us. Um, we want to remind you that the 12 Steps to Freedom were created by Rhonda Britton, the CEO and founder of the Fearless Living Institute. And if you would like to know more about Fearless Living, go check it out at fearlessliving.org. You can find out all fun stuff about Terry and I at fearlessgenerations.org. And you can also go there to find information about all our guest coaches that seems to be on the page. And I believe Elizabeth is one of those. So that's another place you can go, but you can also find about find out about all of our upcoming workshops and our group programs and everything that we do to support you to be fearless. So thank you, Terry. Thank you, Elizabeth. And until next week, everybody, be fearless. Thank you, Elizabeth. Bye. Thank you, guys. Good night.